had we not had a website, had we not had a app or an ordering way and a delivery system set up, that's something that takes time to develop. So we would have been maybe a month or so behind because again, those things are not in place. So a lot of it was luck, but also making sure that we were technically sound and in place at the same time with all social media and websites, those things being in place definitely helps you change and adapt at the same time. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Andy Lamba of Prime Wine and Liquor. Andy is a great example of what this country is all about. His family came to the U.S. from India with nothing, and he has become a huge success. He obtained his CPA and shortly realized that being an accountant was not for him. Andy then opened Prime Wine and Liquor and has become a cornerstone of the community and is a consummate example of great customer service. I have the great pleasure of being here today with Andy from Prime Wine and Liquor of Kings Park. And I know you're probably saying, why do you have a guy from Prime Wine and Liquor on your show? Well, you're going to find out in a few minutes because this is not your ordinary wine and liquor store. So I'd like to welcome Andy to the show and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Andy, now I've known you for a couple of years. We've been going into your store. You've done some branding things for Midland Financial, and we appreciate that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What was your path to opening Prime Wine and Liquor? It was actually an accident. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a CPA by profession. I realized that that's not something I really wanted to do. So after I got my CPA license, I resigned from one of the big fours and I joined my father's cell phone business. And from there, the opportunity presented itself and I took a risk and opened a liquor store. And that's what I've been doing ever since. How long ago was that? That was in uh, 2014. Okay. It's been like, let's say six years now. Wow. And how's it going? You've been in the same and only location? Yes. Yes. We've been in the same location. It's very interesting, I would say, because every day is different. That's part of the reason I like it. Not every day is the same. You get to see very different people. All the products are different. And I think one of the best things I like about the business is that you get to learn something every day because it's not just the same products you're selling every day. It's very different. There's new whiskeys, there's new wines, and it's fresh. It keeps everything interesting. And I'm sure having that CPA background is really a big help from a business perspective, knowing how to run the business. Oh, yeah. I mean, constantly I can make decisions without having to pick up the phone and calling my accountant or attorney and 
you can make certain decisions having that educational background. So it's certainly helpful. That's awesome. You're not counting beans anymore. You're counting <laughs> wine bottles, I guess, Correct. right? <laughs> I've been into your store a lot of times, myself and the family, and you have many of the traditional bottles that you would expect to find at a wine and liquor store, but it really seems that you go that extra mile to find some of those unique finds. What caused you to create what you call behind the counter, the selection of fine wines and spirits that you have behind the counter? What led to that? Well, I kind of have two parts to that question because making a selection that I don't believe wine, let's say, has to be expensive to be good. The cost of making a wine, when it's a $100 bottle for retail or a $10 bottle for retail, is fairly in the same cost area. It's a few dollars. So I always believe that you can always find good wine that does not have to be super expensive. What's leading to the expensive part is the marketing, the branding, the wine scores that are out there. So that always lays up to that. But as far as the whiskeys and the collection behind the counters are concerned, that is something I feel you got to have because you never know when someone's looking for something. A lot of store owners are afraid to invest because it's tied up capital at the end of the day that you might have a $500 bottle or a $2,000 bottle. And the customer may not always be out there. But when that customer does come in, it's something that they need on the spot. You cannot go, but, oh, I need, I can have it for you next week. So I believe you got to have it to sell it. And I like investing. It's an investment. I like having it at the end of the day so I can sell it at the end of the day. Have you ever used it as a marketing tool to say, hey, we have XYZ or pick a bottle that's in that price range in oh, order yeah. to drive absolutely. business? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say I got a lot of customers for those types of whiskeys or scotches and any of the rare stuff we carry, I have a big following from actually Manhattan and the Hamptons and all over New York. They come and they get it from us because you have to be mindful of the fact that when it's a collector series, only a few of these bottles are ever made. So they hold tremendous value. So we have people who try to collect these things and they come from far. And So how do they find about you from Manhattan or from the Hamptons or places like that? So you'd be surprised how strong their network is. <laughs> Most people who collect these things have friends who are doing the same thing or colleagues. And when one person knows, the word travels very quickly. Right. Plus, we advertise on Instagram when we get a rare bottle or social media. When somebody's looking for it, they'll find us. <laughs> right. right. So they network their way oh, to yeah. the bottle. Oh, yeah. Now, these rare bottles that are limited editions, are you particular to getting those on a regular basis? Do you get them more so than other places? How does it work where they actually end up? So it completely depends on the supplier and who is distributing it. But I try to make a sincere effort to get as many interesting finds that we feel would be a good addition to the store. And we always go for the running if we have to make sure we're on a first come first serve list or we have to buy a certain amount to make sure we can get an allocation. We always try to do what we can in order to secure such items. Not always successful, but we try our hardest. <laughs> well, it also sounds like people in your industry in a similar line of business, they may not see the value and the benefit of taking those into inventory. So they may take a pass on it, whereas you seem a little bit more applicable to taking that on. Yeah, it's a risk at the end of the day, because when you, for example, buy a bottle that could be $30,000, you don't have a customer for that every day. $30,000 tied up in your inventory, X times how long it can sit on the shelf, how can it be used better? 
and not everybody has a financial capacity and not every store does. So I'm very fortunate that I'm able to do that. So that's great. I'm able to take that risk. So let's talk about that. You brought up a $30,000 bottle, for example. What's the most interesting bottle you've ever received a request for? Received a request for? I feel like there's a lot of those, but the most interesting one would probably trying to find a Macallan, um, I think it was a 50 or 52 year Lalique edition. And haven't been able to get it since. <laughs> okay. Has there been one that particularly stands out in your mind where somebody wanted a particular bottle and you were able to actually secure it and deliver it to them? Yeah, there was a Glenroth 40. It's also made by Edrington, which is a parent company of Macallan. Okay. And we were in the running for it. And the person who wanted it, quite famous, so I can't take their name on That's here. That's fine. We wouldn't want but, to um, they actually wanted it, so we went on, tried to go in the running for it, and we were fortunate enough to get it. There were only three, I think, in New York State or something like that, and we got it, and we got it over to him, and it was great. Wow. And what does a bottle like that go for? I think that was around $5,500. Okay. That was a 40-year scotch. It was actually quite reasonable compared to a Macallan, which is their signature line, and that, I think, can be upwards of thirty or 40000 now, when somebody gets a bottle of scotch, five, ten, even $30,000, is that something that they ordinarily will drink? Or is it something that they kind of keep in their collection just so they say that they have? So it can go both ways, depending on who's buying it. A lot of people buy these whiskeys based on their rarity and as a collector's item, so it can appreciate more. It's almost like an investment tool. But once in a while, you'll have somebody who just wants to drink it or save it for a special occasion. I had one person buy, I think it was a Macallan 30-year, a couple of years back. When his son was born, he said, I'm going to drink it with my son when he's 21. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. I always find stories like that very interesting and unique. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. So in addition to scotch and whiskey, I'm a big craft beer fan. And I was able to secure a couple years ago, Dogfish came out with a 120, which is a pretty potent craft beer. And I was able to secure a case of it. And basically, I put a six pack away for each of my boys because it also ages very well. So I said, wouldn't it be cool if I could get this, which is something I really enjoyed and be able to share it with them when they turn 21. Right. So I have it in my basement and getting ready for one of them will be enjoying it hopefully in about four years and the other one in about seven. So it'll hopefully age very well. It's good to share that bond. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was that bottle you spoke about, that $5,500 bottle, was that the most expensive bottle that you've ever been asked to secure for a client? No, we've been asked to secure much more expensive bottles, but you're not always successful in getting them because for example, the Macallan 50 that we tried to get, or 52-year, whatever it was. What does that bottle go for, roughly? So I think our cost around it was like around 45000 It would retail somewhere around high 50s. And there were only like 198 made in the world. And like the United States was getting like 30 of them. These are crazy numbers. It's very hard to get them. But you got to try. You're right. <laughs> is the fact that it's so rare, is that what really drives up the value of these things? Absolutely. And you have to remember, these are aged for that long. So if something was aged for 50 years, for example, I mean, this whiskey is older than I am. Right. It's just crazy. You can't go back and barrel it again. It's just time. So you're paying for time. Right, right. Is there a lot of marketing layered into that cost, even for the higher level bottles? Do they really have to do a lot marketing? Oh, wise? yeah. So the Macallan is famous. They actually partner with Lee Crystal. All their Higher end marks are basically bottled in the Lee Crystal, which is very expensive to begin with. 
So they market on social media and what have you. I mean, they go all out. Right. I even read that as far as marketing is concerned, even as an investment tool, McAllen was like the best investment after like 1980 or something. It had like the biggest returns. This uh, person bought a McAllen for $3,000 in early 1980s, and it was sold in Hong Kong for $1.2 million. Wow. It was just an absolute tremendous investment. I wonder how you even make sure that the bottle's still good, and I guess there are ways to do that. So you can actually send it in to Edrington in Scotland, and they will actually test a higher mark for you. Not like a regular 12-year-old, but all these very rare whiskeys, you can send it into Scotland, and they will definitely test it and authenticate the bottle for you. Unbelievable. Obviously, there's a lot more, it seems like, a lot more brands, a lot more types these days as far as different liquors, whether it be scotch, whiskey, wine even. What right now are the most popular and sought-after brands that you see people coming into the store for? As far as scotches go, it would definitely be Macallan number one, and that everybody loves, everybody enjoys, but that's on the non-PD side. Balvinis, Glenlevitts, I would say those are your top scotches. And then occasionally somebody will come out with like Jack Daniels might do a special whiskey. Bourbons have been getting extremely, extremely popular, you know, with the addition of Buffalo Trace has been doing a lot of marketing and releasing of some very special bourbons out on the market. Their annual release of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection is extremely popular, very rare as well. They make the most sought after bourbon called Pappy Van Winkle in the market. So there's a lot of interest in the market around specialty items, and people are cognizant of that fact. They're definitely looking for these things. Right, right. So it's not that they're coming in for the kettle ones of the world necessarily and the what we would call the mainstream bottles anymore. Yeah, those remain steady, but in my store at least, I definitely see a growth and a high interest in what we call the brown spirits, which is the whiskeys, the bourbons, and the scotches. Wow. Well, listen, I think you lead right in. As a person like myself, I love great scotch and whiskey. Those are two of my favorites outside of the craft beer I mentioned earlier. What are some of the things, if you're a scotch or a whiskey drinker, what are things you should look for when making a purchase? What tools should we use to help decide whether we get the Bullet or the Jack Daniels or the Macallan, for example? There's actually no right answer as far as I'm concerned, because everybody has a different palate. I see customers that say that, oh, Bullet and Maker's Mark are great, and then Basil Hayden is absolutely terrible. And then somebody else will say Basil Hayden is absolutely great, and the other is terrible, and vice versa. So it varies. It's a very broad spectrum. Everybody has their own opinion. That's why there's no right answer. There's a lot of gimmick liquor out there, I would say, like we have this or I would say watch out for things like that. They're not always the best tasting liquids out there. Right. But overall, it's a matter of opinion. Like you can't necessarily say, oh, this is terrible. But then somebody else says this is great because everybody's palate is unique and different. Should you be able to see some consistency? Like if you find a 12 year old scotch that you really like, If you go to another company's 12-year-old scotch, should there be some similarities between those or could they be completely different? They could be absolutely different, but yet there are similarities at the same time. So there will be similarities in price, for example. A 12-year scotch may be between the range of 40 to 70 bucks, for example. And one might be a complete outlier for some strange reason. It could have a very unique cask it was matured in. So you got to look out for things like that, but more or less the price would remain constant. But you got to look at the definition of how it was matured. Like, 
If you prefer a sherry cask, it might add a little more sweetness into the scotch, whereas scotch from Isla would be very peaty, and that would be something like a Lagavulin. So you kind of have to know your palate a little bit also. Unfortunately, you can't know that until you try them. <laughs> right, right. Well, and then you go to Prime Wine and Liquor and uh, buy a bottle and give it a try. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is in this age, we're in the middle of this pandemic. And one of the things that really interests me about and was really appealing that I saw happen with you is we hear a lot of businesses struggling in different industries and whatnot. We have heard that the liquor industry was doing very well during this time because people were at home. But I also feel like to some degree over the last several months, you have changed your business model a little bit and have benefited from what's going on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's one of my takeaways from high school business class. My teacher kind of like ingrained it into us like, If you do not know how to change and adapt a business with the time, you will get outdated. I I remember doing those early SWOT analysis, and it was just, that was ingrained into you. You got to know your threats and opportunities. So I'm always looking at how I can change my business, how I can adapt, because technology is always evolving. And we were just fortunate enough that from the beginning, we always had a delivery service. And luckily, I would say a year prior to the pandemic, we had launched our website and app. And we were well positioned that when the pandemic hit, we had a delivery operation in place that we could quickly turn to because people were not leaving the house. Right. So it allowed our business to still continue and flourish because we had those things in place. Had we not had a website, had we not had a app or an ordering way and a delivery system set up, that's something that takes time to develop. So we would have been maybe a month or so behind because, again, those things are not in place. So a lot of it was luck, but also making sure that we were technically sound and in place at the same time with all social media and websites, those things being in place definitely helps you change and adapt at the same time. I'll tell you, you know, personal experience at one point during the pandemic, we needed some stuff delivered and a family member was going to be at the house that same day to pick it up. And within like 30 or 40 minutes. The order was at the house. It was flawless. (laughs) That was my guys. Guys delivering, they did a great job. Do you think over the period of time, over the last several months, that you've actually increased your marketing list and customer base because of this as well? Yeah, I think a couple of our competitors were certainly close, so that definitely gave us a little push, and we definitely expanded our base. But with everything, it was a bell curve. February, March, April, May was peaking, and now it's starting to level off again. People are going back to school and work and the market's opening back up. So with everything, it's just a bell curve. So now it's coming back down, but it's steady. It's good. It's okay. Well, hopefully you don't have to be prepared for the second wave. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. If listeners are looking for a gift for either a client or a friend to bring to somebody's house for a dinner or a party, is there a bottle or bottles that somebody can look to that gives the impression that it's on the expensive side, but at the same time is not going to break the wallet, for example? Yeah, in that uh, category, I'd say you're always safe with champagne. I always recommend Veuve Clicquot or Moet. They're very prestigious brands. They don't break the bank, certainly, and they look classy. So I would certainly go with that and possibly get it engraved to make it more personalized. It's an interesting point, engraving. So is that something you do or can do on any type of bottle? Mostly. I would say 
a solid 90 to 95% of the bottles in our store can be engraved. Every so often, there's a bottle that can't fit in a machine or doesn't rotate properly for engraving. At that time, we would have to go for a different solution. But most of the bottles we can engrave, we do every bottle individually. It's not like a set template or anything. We right. work to your specification. And do you do that in-house or you outsource that to somebody else? In-house, right there and then. That's great. It really adds a nice touch to somebody bringing something. Like, you know, everybody likes personalized stuff, right? Yeah. It just adds another layer and another level to that, sure. to that gift. Absolutely. It's been great speaking with you. And our final question to everybody who comes in here, because this is the Mitlin money mindset, and that's really what it's about. We want to talk about how to live your best life in and before retirement. What's the one thing that you do every day that brings you joy and puts you in the right mindset for success? I would have to say that every morning when I get up, I pray and meditate for about 10, 15 minutes. I think that calms me down and puts me forward to a better day and just helps me make better decisions calmly and more rationally. That's awesome. And you need that kind of become center. You're in a busy, fast-paced environment. You're working with people, which, depending on their day, impacts your day. So it makes a lot of sense. So, oh, yeah. It's good for the soul. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Do you have any other plans to expand your business at this point? Unless New York State changes its regulation, uh, cannot do that. It's unfortunate, but in New York State, we can only have one liquor store per owner. So oh, wow. Our individual, I, so. Uh, see, I just learned something. I did <laughs> not know that. Yeah, so unless they change their laws, I'm happy with one. It keeps me occupied. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, Andy, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming on the show. I love prime wine and liquor in Kings Park, and we'll continue to go there. Can you tell our listeners how to find you if they're looking to come into the store, either the location and or on social media outlets? Sure. So you can search us on Facebook at Prime Wine and Liquor, or you can go to our Instagram at Prime Wine Liquor. Or just go to our website, primewineliquor.com, or Google us. We'll be there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you for being here. Listeners, holiday time's coming up, so make sure you take a look at Andy's store. Take a look online. He might have one of those rare bottles that you're looking for. And remember, make it a great day. I want to thank Andy for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. I hope you found our conversation as engaging as I did and learned what good, well, great customer service is all about. You can find Andy and Prime Wine and Liquor on all social media channels or by visiting his website at primewineliquor.com. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please, don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement.
The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.